Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Throughout history, it has been the inaction of those who could have acted, the indifference of those who could have who should have known better, the silence of the voice of justice when it mattered most, that has made it possible. For evil to triumph. Our campaign is Horror on the Orient Express, and this is episode 64. I'm your game master, and Jeff Wilkins will be giving our recap. Our valiant investigators have entered the arena. The players are ready. Let's begin our journey into the darkness. Jeff? I think so. Bear with me. We covered a lot of ground last time, so. We started off with our investigators back on board the Orient Express early on a Monday morning. That would have been February 18th. Uh, we were headed towards Sophia. Dr. Keith had gotten up to get Rupert a cup of coffee and spotted a gentleman two booths away. He had lots of papers and books spread out on his table. Mater D asks Dr. Keith that his, or tells Dr. Keith that his name is Dr. Giordanov. First, we don't recognize the name, but then it strikes us that the name was mentioned in regards to Dr. Morick, Jasmina's father, and that some of the items from the dig site would be sent to Giordanov for him to study. It seems he's on our side. Eldridge takes the initiative to introduce himself to the professor, and, to, and our group joins him at this table. We start to talk about our mutual interests. At some point, Dr. Giordanov tells us that the story of a student named Ivo Penev, who found the head of a strange statue and wrote a paper on it that tied it to some Slavic folklore regarding dwarves or little people, Zuzheta. Giordanov tells us he's, un he's sure that he still has that paper written by Evo. He is now dead. And that it might give us the clues that uh, where the head of the statue is located. We kind of fast forward the time to about, seven, about 5 p.m. We're scheduled to arrive in Sofia at 7 p.m. All of a sudden, our meeting is disturbed rather violently. The Mater D starts to reprimand a waiter in public, and the waiter snaps and attacks the Mater D by stabbing him with a knife, and then he runs. Eldridge is quick to give chase. Dr. Keith and Dr. Dawkins tend to the wounded Mater D. Frank and Rupert chase after Eldridge, but each fall in the commotion. Eldridge is able to still give chase. Eldridge chases the man into one of the luggage cars with one of those sliding doors on the side. He manages to disarm him and tie him up, but this was after he threw his notebook out the door. He seems to be an imposter, and he also has different colored skin patches. We're back in our own cabin now, discussing what action to take next, when all of a sudden we hear a gunshot and a scream. It seems the prisoner has wrestled away one of the guns from his captors and shot himself in the head. We're not entirely upset by this, because it has solved some of our problems. Dr. Keith showed Dr. Giordano our copy of the L'Imagine Diablo, and let him take it with him to read. We're scheduled to meet him at his office at 8 a.m. the next morning. Just then, there's a knock on our cabin door. One of the police officers is questioning us about the murder and the murder slash prisoner. 
The officer tells us that the hands of the murdered waiter are still missing. Around 9 p.m., we arrive in Sofia. We drop the professor off at his home and then take his car to our hotel. Around 11.30 p.m., we're all in bed and we're all awoken, except for Dr. Dawkins who's still sleeping, when we're shocked to see a bunch of severed hands crawling on the floor and the beds. They started attacking us. We managed to fight most of them off until suddenly they all stop attacking and they flee. Eldritch has managed to pin one to the floor with a fire poker, but there's a scream. My eye, my eye. It's coming from Rupert's room. And that brings us up to date. So Rupert is, is grabbing his face. Blood is pouring down his face. And he's screaming, my eye, my eye. And... Uh, you all are a bit bruised and, and, you know, these things tried to strangle you and grab you and scratch you and everything else. So you've got marks. Um, Eldridge, the one that is pinned to the floor, struggles for a moment and then it goes completely dead. All right. Um, I'm going to leave it pinned to the ground, but I'm going to rush out into the hallway I'm assuming, okay. are we the only people that's on this floor, or are there other people that are kind of coming out because of the screaming? There's probably some other people now that are, are poking their noses out their doors. Um, okay, we're in Bulgaria. So I'm going to say in Russian, I'm going to shout in Russian, I guess, call the police, call the police. Okay. Um you notice immediately a few people, yeah, go to do something like that. Um, uh, Bulgaria is very international, especially in this area. You're going to find Russian, Bulgarian, Greek, Turkish, everything here. It's a, okay. it's a melting pot. Awesome. So, yeah, uh, I'm then going to uh, rush to Rupert's room. I'm assuming that the others are also kind of filtering into the hallway or running into the hallway, not really filtering. Well, I, I think I think I'm gonna gonna head straight to Rupert's room myself. Uh, same here. I'm gonna try to bring first aid kit and some other medical equipment with me. Okay. Um, when you go inside, Rupert uh, Rupert is sitting on the floor, and he says, "There were hands. There were hands in my room, and one of them took my eye." How bad does his, his injury look? Well, it's basically his eye socket's been scooped out. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So he's he's bleeding. It's not profuse bleeding, but he's mostly in... It, it hurts like hell, obviously. Yes. Um, well, I'll try to administer some first aid. We have cocaine during this time, don't we? Because I'll um, Probably opium, okay. cocaine. Yeah. Well, he doesn't want it. He says, no, 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 no. This is, it's not, not that bad, but holy shit. <laughs> All right, well, at least I'll, I'll do, do some sort of uh, first aid on him. Right. Go ahead and roll first aid. And I miss, I got uh, 51 out of 40. So. Okay. There's something about the wound that looks quite strange. Um, um, and, of course, 
I think that it's obvious that it reminds you of something from some of the stories that you've read. Yes. Yes, it does. Anyways, he's calming down. He basically needs to be patched up, you know? Yeah. Wait, what, uh, what story are you talking about? Um, uh, Tilius Corvus and, uh, um, is that the one that had the guy with the eye that had? I imagine it's Diablo at, yeah. at, at the beginning, the, the, um, priest in the church. Oh, um, yes. Okay. His and all, yeah, his head exploded eventually. Well, that's not good. So, he's very shaken, but he's also, he's also, uh, English, so he's going to give it a stiff upper lip. <laughs> Can we at least bandage it or something? Yeah, so. yeah. that's what uh, I assume that's what Doctor Dawkins is doing. Yeah, okay. this is this is rather you know it's a decent hotel, isn't it? They they must have a, a doctor on call, a, a doctor they could they could bring over in an emergency. Yeah, yeah. Can we can we phone for one? Um. About 10 minutes later, the police arrive. And um, uh, two officers come up to your room. And a few moments later, another officer comes up, whom you recognize <coughs> as the man from, as the, the, whatever you call him, the police chief or whatever from the, um, the train. Uh, I think his name was Christoph. Uh, let me find that name. Pretty sure it's Christoph. Um, uh, Major Christoph. I'm sorry, Major Christova. There, there you go. Um, he says. Uh, he says. So tell me, tell me what happened. You you were attacked. Uh, were they? Uh, you know, or were they once again, uh, as I, I believe I told you before, we are looking for these terrorists. We have been looking for a long time. Uh, what, what has happened? You are injured. Uh, go ahead. Uh, I'll actually let um, Rupert, do, you know, explain what happened. He's the one who's seriously injured. Okay, well, I just don't want to have a conversation with myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I... What would Rupert say? I don't know, Rupert. You know, he's like... Uh, um, actually, Rupert's kind of at a loss. What do you tell the police? That hands ran across the floor and attacked us? Yes, we do. Sound like a lunatic. I'm looking I, nervously from my companions. Yeah, no, I step forward and uh, and I say in, in Russian, because I assume you're speaking Russian, um, I have your explanation, it's in my room, and I point to my room. Okay. And I lead them inside, and I literally look to the probably the middle of the floor, 
where the hand has been right. punctured into the ground, and I say, these came from the chimneys, and took he, his eye. He looks at it and he says, you've, you've cut off the, the assailant's hand, then, yes? No. What, what are you saying? That, uh... um, let's see. I want to say that I can do... I want to try and do a persuade, actually, and just, like, to convince him that... that I'm at le- I at least believe what I'm saying. Um, okay. and, I, and I tell him... Um, oh, man, what do I tell him? <laughs> uh, Have you been drinking, sir? <laughs> probably. Uh, no, I... I say, understand me when I say that I would not make light of this situation. My friend in there has his eye ripped from his head. And just earlier today, we were dealing with the aftermath of us chasing down a man and stabbing a maitre d' who now has his hands gone. I point to the ground and I say, these came from the chimney. Attacked you're, us. You're saying that the hand came from the chimney and it attacked you. Believe me or not, that is what happened. And I'm going to try and do a persuade roll just so that he can, like, I don't know. I don't really know. Uh, should I make the roll or not? Go ahead. I'm not sure that I'll give it to you, even if you make it. Maybe do, right. it, do it with the penalty dice. Okay. You want to do it with the penalty dice? All right. Let's see. Let's do. Bop. All right. Forty-six is the high one. What's my persuade? Fifty. Perfect. I don't know if it's. Gonna, I don't know if he's gonna believe me. I just said the hands came from the goddamn ceiling. But uh, okay. Um, Rupert at this point sort of interrupts and he says it was dark, so we didn't really get a good look. At the assailant. All, all, all I can tell you is that, is that, is that some fiend came into my room and had his had his hands around my throat. <laughs> all ten of them. <laughs> yes. uh, anyways, um, he Night takes man. down your information and uh, and says, um, uh, you know. Uh, we're sorry you're visitors to our country, and uh, this is not the way things usually go here, but we've been working for a long time trying to uh, trying to get uh, get a uh, uh, I don't know how to say it, how, how to get a, a, a bearing on these uh, these uh, these butchers that uh, take body parts from their victims. We are so sorry this has happened. Do you need medical treatment? I think our friend Rupert does, yes. Well, well, let's get you patched up. We can take you to the uh, the hospital. Any objections? No, I think that's a very good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just one moment, please. Can we go with him? Sure. I mean, um, I want to type a private message. Can I just say to Thomas, there's like a weird hiss on your microphone. It's not 
it's not bad. I'm just wondering if you're aware it's, of it. It's the fan. Ah, okay. It's 105 degrees outside. Oh, come on. That's nothing. Oh, yeah. I'm just a, I'm a baby. God, 105 degrees, 80 degrees inside. Oh, man. I like your hairstyle with the, like this behind your head. Oh, yeah. You like that? <laughs> you like the I haven't had a haircut in three months? I like look? The, pl the plant behind your head looks like you've got a oh interesting mohawk. My big, my big plant has all plants die down here. All right. Um, so uh, it's once again, it's about 1130. It's almost midnight. Um, you go to the local hospital, um, which is a, a pretty good, decent hospital by uh, 1920 standards. Um, uh, about all they can do for Rupert is to patch him up. And uh, you already sort of did that. They just do a, a better job. But now he's got a, I guess he's got a bandage going around his, <laughs> around his head. Um, uh, so it's, let's say it's about 1230 in the morning. What do you guys want to do? Obviously. <laughs> well, could we bring him back? I mean, I guess he, he comes back with us back to the hotel. Right, he does. And if you recall, you have a meeting in the morning with Dr. Jordanov. Mm -hmm. I think it was at 8 a.m. Yeah, for breakfast, I think. And Anyways. Well, when we get back to the hotel, could I ask the what, concierge, the guy at the, the counter there, was it only us who was attacked or was anyone else? Nope, only you. But... As you arrive back at the hotel, as you are sort of, you're back up on your floor, you're walking down the hallway to your rooms, Rupert suddenly loses his balance and staggers against the wall. And he says, what? What am I seeing? And he grabs his eye and then he sort of steadies himself and he seems to regain his composure. And he says, for a minute, I could see something else. I could, it was like I was moving at two different speeds. I was walking, but I was also running down an alleyway. And then everything went back to being where I am here. I, with a hushed tone, I say... If these people have the ability to attach body parts to themselves, it is also quite possible that they can use our body parts to see what we see. And what you probably saw was him carrying the eye. We could use this both to an advantage and also they could use it as an advantage. I was about to say that's not possible. And then you remembered all the crazy shit that's happened to us over here. Exactly. Giant giant house and all I, all I know is it made me made me dizzy. But uh perhaps we should leave Rupert here tomorrow 
morning. We don't want the, the others to know the location of, uh, of the house. They were like, well, they can't bloody see through this. <laughs> the badge. Well, I'm talking about the other eye. They have, if you can mm. see through, if they can see, if you can see through the, the severed eye, what's stopping them from seeing through the one that's still connected to your optic nerve? They can just see the address and then they have us. I don't, I don't know how this works. Maybe you're right. It's just a thought. Did you see any identifying you? No, it was a dark alley. It was it was very strange. It was it made me very dizzy because it was like I was running. I can't imagine. Well, let's get um, him into his room and. You know, all right. Um, yeah, you need to lie down. Um. As he is, and you guys are sort of concerned, so you're there. As he is climbing into the bed, he suddenly goes, wait, wait, it's it's happening again. He says, there's, there's a big black car. I can see that I'm, I'm approaching it, that they're, they're turning on the engine and they're, I can feel the car moving. We're we're moving through the city. Oh, it's gone. It's gone again. Were you able to see your own reflection? Uh, no, no. It's still too dark. But they're going somewhere. If they've if they've attacked us. Is it rational to think that they might attack the doctor as well? I, th I think so. That was that was part of my fear when we were on the train. I was afraid they were going to get to him before we were able to talk to him. He he gave us his card, didn't he? Mm -hmm. what, what what? It's quite late, but I I wonder if perhaps we should phone him. Did we warn him? I remember bringing that up. I don't think we did. I'm not sure that there's a phone number. Oh. There's a calling card and an address. And we don't want to involve him further. We just need his information. I'm worried. They, they, they always seem to be one step ahead of us. Yes. Uh, Rupert's also complaining that it itches like crazy. He says, I don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep. I don't think I am. Yeah, not after what happened. No. Especially after shoving my pillows into the chimney and the vents. I got nothing to sleep on. <laughs> Just call the maid service. They'll bring you another pillow. 
I don't know. It's up to you guys. Well, this is a first. You have destroyed our our our, our lemons by shoving them into this. The... <laughs> well, Rupert says I I have to try to get some sleep. He's he's completely <clears throat> exhausted only because the trauma. Did they uh, put him on any sort of sedatives? Um, they gave him something to kill the pain. All right, I'll I'll check up on you uh, periodically. Um, do I know how much uh, medication they gave him? That way, I can keep a sort of time. I'm sure they. I'm sure they do. They, you, you know, you've got his medication. All right, so I'll be checking up on him, and I'll tell the rest of you guys. Um, you guys can try to get some rest too. We we still do have that appointment. I'll um, I'll keep an eye out, out on Rupert. All right. Yeah. Be sure to yell if you need anything. Anybody. All right. The uh, um, somewhere around three o'clock in the morning, uh, Rupert wakes up. He's in a little pain. Uh, are you there, Doctor uh, Doctor Dawkins? Yeah. Keeping an eye on him. Um, he says to you. They're not in the city anymore. They're moving through the countryside. I don't know where. <clears throat> um, next time you see something like that, try to pick out some sort of landmarks or something that might, you know, stand out. Right. Um, but then he falls back. He does fall back asleep. Um. All right, so next morning you all get up uh, fairly early, like 6.30, just because of, of everything that happened in the evening. And um, uh, what are you, I, I'm going to give you about an hour before you need to leave and go to Dr. Jordanov's if you want to do anything. I want some very strong Turkish coffee. Keep me up yeah, there's plenty of that. <laughs> um, well, um, I think, um, I'm definitely going to take my pistol with me today um, after that business I think also we should uh, we should keep our uh, our luggage under lock and key in the secure room of the hotel while we're away or those particular bits of luggage yeah um, um, I also wonder whether we should take um, Rupert with us or not. I don't think it would be a good idea. Neither do I. 
I mean, not not only from the perspective of what we've read about in the book and, and um, being able to, to see through his eye, because it would seem to me from what we read in those books that if they are doing that, then at the moments when he's seeing something else, they could potentially be, that's when they're looking through his eye. Exactly. Um, but also, I think from the doctor's perspective, if we start to turn up on his door with, with, with one of us missing an eye, um, that's going to alarm him. Not to mention, Rupert now has one <laughs> eye. His depth perception is not going to be well enough for him to begin walking around town just yet. Yes, no, he needs to rest. He needs to rest for a, you, a day or would two. You, would you want me to stay with him to keep him company, or do, should, should I come along with you? I think it's best if he's just left to sleep. I don't know. I think having Dr. Dawkins here may be a good idea, just in case, like, like what, what happened in the book, in case something were to happen to Rupert. They did something to him. I don't know. That's my thought. What if we contact the hotel and ask them to have like a nurse or something to stay with them? It's not a bad trust, idea. Do we trust the nurse? That's the other question. I just hate would hate to to leave you back at the hotel, Doctor Dawkins. If we needed you. That's true. A, <clears throat> For the record, if somebody was actually playing Rupert. Uh, he would have taken 1d4 sanity loss. Uh, his spot hidden and track rolls are reduced by 25%. His dexterity is reduced by 10%. And his appearance has dropped by 20%. His physical appearance. What are you talking about? Having an eye patch makes you more sexy. Well, right now it doesn't. So <laughs> <laughs> it might later on. Ideally, you need the eye patch and a scar that comes. You know, exactly. Yeah, he, he, we'll just give him. To, we'll give him the scar. Time to grow a mustache as well. <laughs> got an eye patch. You've got to have a mustache. All right. I think that now that I'm thinking about it, I think Dawkins should come with us. We should just hire a nurse or have the concierge check on him. Um. Uh, the doctor at the one of the doctors at the hospital has volunteered to come by and check on him. Um, he seemed to think that although it was a nasty injury, it wasn't something that was really a danger to his health. Um, he'd probably just have to live without an eye. All right, so you guys are um, going to go see Dr. Jordanov. Mm -hmm. All right, um, and you guys are going to leave Dr. Uh, Dr. Dawkins is coming with you. Okay. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> you travel across town and you come to Dr. Jordanov's place. You actually already know where it is because he lent you his car. I forgot that. Mm -hmm. um, cool. You come back to his place. And uh, go up and knock on the door, and he answers the door. You know, come in, come in, my friend. So, my God, what's what's happened to you? 
because you've got scratches and where where is your friend the 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 other one the loud mouth one <laughs> no he doesn't he says please please come in my goodness what what just happened he's a, little, he's a little under the weather i'm afraid we um i i'm i'm afraid we uh we 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 were waylaid we really had our hands up my god this this city is falling apart now come in come in off the street please thank you thank you now his house is nice i mean he's he's a highly respected professor of the the university of sophia and it's a, it's a nice house it's a fairly large house even though he lives there all by himself um the uh the entryway the uh the drawing room the sort of living room area it's pretty much immaculate it's very well maintained but you can see through doorways and down hallways all of the other rooms in this house are filled with books filled with overstuffed you know bookcases papers manuscripts everything and he's like please you know come in and he says uh, i haven't i haven't exactly begun to look yet for the the thing it was quite a night uh let's let's have some breakfast uh we have the you know turkish coffee and uh and some uh, delicious uh, what are they called uh banitsa which are uh, like a flaky puff pastry with uh onions and cheese oh lovely cheese and onion pasties and uh and uh, he says he says i i don't uh I don't understand what's been going on. All these crazy things. Uh, um, I am, I am at a loss. Uh, it is, it is, uh, it is somewhat terrifying to live in this city right now. The, the, the policemen seem to think of us uh, terrorists or some. Here you travel across the country and you come to live, to to be here, and and these horrible things happen. I am so sorry. Uh, well, it, it can't be helped. Well, what, what's, what uh, terrible things have you uh, come across? Well, there's been all sorts of sedition. There's been bombings that have been, uh, you know, uh, I heard recently that the, the train, uh, the Orient Express a while back was actually derailed and had to be, uh, uh, it took days to fix it. And um, it's just a great deal of unrest in this part of the country. Do we know if they fixed it yet? Or they stored? Yes. Well, you guys were stuck, remember? Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, um, we've been here for, what, a few, day, a few days now. Right. Well, you've been here for for just overnight in, in Bulgaria. Oh, okay. Um, he says, well, now, shall we see if we can find this manuscript? Uh, he says it is, um, it is a... Uh, it's a monograph. Uh, let me write the name down because the name is going to be written in, uh, I believe, in Bulgarian or possibly Russian. I think I have multiple copies of it in different languages. Um, it is called the Zhuzhera Idol, uh, Evidence of a Civilization Older Than Mankind. And uh, it is by Ivo Penev. And I believe the date is 1908. So let us get to work. See if we can. He says it's probably in the library. 
but uh, it could be here on my desk. It could be here. And he's basically pointing to 12 tons of uh, books and manuscripts and stuff that it could be buried in somewhere. So how do you want to handle it? Do you guys want to split up and start looking and... Um, do you want to have him just do it all, or? I think well, we can, um, I can take sorry, a go ahead. Hand. We can lend a hand. Okay. We start looking as well. Well, why don't you all do spot hiddens? I got a nine. A nine I got an eight. Uh, <laughs> okay. uh, you end up looking for about two and a half hours. And uh, after two and a half hours or so, Dr. Dawkins, you find a cardboard box that has a number of monographs in it that look like they're college papers. Um, Go ahead and do a library use. They're all written in Bulgarian. It's all... 27 out of uh, 60. Okay. Towards the bottom of the box, you finally find something that looks like the, 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 the piece of... The, the thing that he's written down. Mm -hmm. um, the Shujeta Idol, Evidence of a Civilization Older Than Mankind. And this particular one looks like it's written in Russian. I hand it over to uh, Eldridge. Oh, you found it. Excellent. He says, uh, now, the manuscript is about 65 pages, um, and there are uh, drawings, illustrations, uh, and a great deal of information. Uh, it will take you about three hours uh, to go through the manuscript and what you're you recall what you're looking for is What happened to the idol? All right uh, So I'm gonna sit down and I guess I, I'm gonna immediately begin pouring over it. Do I need to roll? Um, no, because it, it says that it's it's a hefty enough thing that it's gonna take you at least three hours What you know? language is it in? I, it's I, in I, Russian Okay. Well, then, perfect. Yeah. Right. It would be much longer if it if it was in the Bulgarian. And, well, he could read it to you. Yeah. But he would probably read you the whole thing. Um, you're probably reading it and translating it so that the others can at least know what's going on. Yeah, I imagine um, that that my left hand is on the book, flipping the pages, and my right hand is writing down translations of the important stuff for like Dawkins to read out. All right. Um, the manuscript basically tells is this uh, Penev's uh, theories that the statue is evidence of an old an ancient civilization uh, that the uh, uh, the traditionally was referred to the Jujeta uh, race. They were a race of dwarves that 
according to the manuscript, uh, were created, were lived on Earth before God created human beings. And um, there's all sorts of odd, weird, speculative ideas as to why it's possible that this statue belongs to them. Uh, it uh, uh, it seems ludicrous. Uh, it also seems that uh, he has a grudge because he makes references to other archaeologists and how stupid they are not to believe what what he thinks is clear evidence of something. Uh, however, uh, the, the illustrations are definitely something it looks, you know, the description that he makes of it uh, is that it's uh, semi-transparent, or at least the, the surface is made of some material that uh, he can't identify. Um, it seems to be reactive in some way to light, and uh, but that it's just the head. Um, I would like you... Now, as you're reading through this... Um, Dr. Jordanov, uh, he hasn't read this for years, and considering some of the things that have been taking place lately, he may be a bit unnerved by what he's reading, or what you guys are reading to him. But for you, from your perspective, knowing what you know, um, you can probably discount this whole Jujetta dwarf thing. Uh, but what he is describing is definitely the head of the simulacrum. So you can all do a sanity check, 1d3. And you can all roll a 1d4 and add that to your Cthulhu Mythos knowledge. One D three if we if we fail, right? You mean? Yeah, if you fail, sorry. Actually, no, in this case it's a one D three sanity loss for, for reading it. Oh. So you have successfully read it. Because it's a Cathedral Mythos text. Right. Two. Um, sorry, I'm lost. Well, you're not you're not making a sanity check. You're just taking sanity loss for the information that you've gleaned from this manuscript. Oh, oh so roll the 1d3 and then add that to the art methods. Right. And then subtract that from our. Okay. Because it is direct knowledge of the abominations. Right. Um, and only because it's already mixed with knowledge that you already have. Now, there is information in here which tells you what you need to know. It says that. Uh, uh, the Zhejeta idol was sent to Dr. Todor Mateev at the Sophie, uh, the Sofiski uh, Universitet uh, for further study. And when you say that, Dr. Jornov visibly turns pale and, and exclaims, just, oh my God. He says, I, I knew Dr. Mateev. And he's like, oh my God. He says, 
Uh, he was a good man, Dr. Mateev. A kind man, a gentleman. Then, one day, he murdered his wife and children, two little boys. He butchered them. Uh, when the police found him, he was wearing their skins and screaming at their bodies. Uh, he rushed at the police, as I recall, and, uh, and stabbed one or two, I think, and uh, they finally shot him down like a mad dog. And you're saying that he had possession of the head? Indeed. Yes, he did. I not, not only that, now that I recall, his, his, his assistant, uh, what was her name? Uh, Reina Isayev. Uh, a few years later, she, she committed suicide. She stabbed herself to death in the eye uh, with an ice pick. My God, what is all of this? What have we gotten ourselves involved in? I stand up and I say, uh, Dr. Could you please excuse me and my compatriots for just one moment? She, she complained all the time of, of terrible headaches. The, the pain must have driven her insane. My God. Uh, he's, he's shaken, so he goes to get a drink. Um, It is quite clear to me, friends, that the head is quite possibly the most dangerous piece. It certainly sounds that way, doesn't it? I know that we, the four of us, even Rupert, have taken a piece for ourselves. But now, there's a sixth piece, and we need to decide who's going to take it. And this piece could, in fact, kill us. I imagine that the doctor hallucinated, or this head was possibly speaking to him in some way, coming through. And with the assistant, I imagine it was the pain. So, one of us needs, we need to decide as a group who's going to take that piece. I'll take it. I kind of look over at Frank and I say, that was quick. And uh, you didn't really have time to think. You didn't have time to discuss. You're just going to take it. Why? We don't need to discuss it. But I, w I will say this. Why, if doc Dr. Giordano has it, wouldn't he be affected by it too? I don't think. He no, may have not. Oh, go ahead. Dr. Giordano doesn't have it. Oh, he knows I, thought he it was, I thought he said it was like in his office or something. No, he had the manuscript. Oh, the manuscript. The right, thing okay. that, would, that would lead you. According to the manuscript, it's at the it's at the University of Sofia. Yeah. Somewhere. 
Okay, sorry, I misunderstood. Maybe there's a way that Frank doesn't need to be affected. What if we, we haven't done a lot of experimenting with these things before, and, I, and I'm afraid that it's too late for us to begin experimenting now, but what if we didn't touch it? idea. I was thinking something similar. Surely if it's in storage, it's going to be in a box or something. Yeah. Or a packing crate. We find the, the head and maybe open the crate, get a canvas stretch. We then push it onto the canvas. We wrap it up and we never touch it again. It's a good idea. Some thick leather gloves, maybe? Maybe. We know how big it is, so we could get a box ahead of time. We could, we could do that. If it's head size, it would fit in the hat box without any trouble. Oh, that would be awkward to carry around. Maybe like a canvas Put bag. Although, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to help you, but I was just saying it would also be well disguised. Who would think anything was in a hat box but a hat? <laughs> What's in the box? That was a square cardboard box. <laughs> <laughs> anything could be in that, but a hat box? It's a hat. Well, it's a hat. <laughs> All right. So what do you want to do? Uh, Jordanov comes back in the room. He's visibly shaken. He says, you know, he says, I'm not sure that I that I can handle this. I don't think that I I want to have anything to do with this any longer. Um and fully appreciate that. He has the the um Lamagini del Diavolo in his hand and he says, Please take this back. He says, I don't want to read it. I nod and I say, Well, We've gotten what we've needed. And I look to the group. Please, I advise you, there are too many strange coincidences here. You should, you should leave off whatever you are attempting to do. He says, it, it, it disturbs me incredibly that, that this, this object might be there at the university where I work. Oh shit! I was gonna, I was gonna say something like, "Well, it won't be there much longer, so you don't need to worry." But no, we won't tell him that. Are we gonna have problems trying to get into the university? I was wondering if, if the, the good doctor might be uh, willing to provide us with a. Um, Letter of reference. Um, do either a psychoanalysis or a, a persuade role. Um, yeah, go ahead and do that. Two. Two All right. 
he says, look, he says, I'll tell you what. He says, uh, let me make a, 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 a uh, let me give you a, a piece of uh, a recommendation. And he writes down on a piece of paper. Uh, he says, the person that you'll want to speak to will be a professor academician, um, Anton uh, Chedenko. Anton Chedenko. Uh, he is uh, in charge of the antiquities department. Um, explain to him that, uh, that uh, you know, you have my blessing and uh, you don't really have my blessing because I am afraid that we are in uh, on the edge of discovery of something absolutely horrible. Uh, but if you insist, I will go ahead and write this for you. And uh, please, uh, I am not interested in finding anything else out about this. You are very nice people, but uh, my nerves can't take this any longer. We, we fully appreciate that, Doctor. We're, we're more than grateful for all your very kind help. Please. So, he shows you to the door. Does he want his car back? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I kind of does. <laughs> Let's give him the keys. Just, I shall call you a taxi to take you across town. You're a taxi. <laughs> so, he gives you a, a, a taxi. He gives you a Hertz rent-a-car. Uh, but it's in, in their country, it's called Hertz. Hertz rent-a-car. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, so I assume you leave. And as you leave, he doesn't mean to be rude, but he kind of slams the door. Like he really doesn't <laughs> want to have anything more to do with any of this shit. That escalated. Don't blame him. All right. So where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Well, I think if we're going to the university, we should um, go via um, uh, a milliner's. A what? Milliner's. Milliner. I, I don't understand. A, ma a maker and seller of hats. Ah. We don't wear hats here. So. <laughs> Is there... Is there possibly like a bazaar or a market? Um, oh yeah, there's. I mean, this is a this is a modern city for 1920s. You can find anything here. All right. Uh, I have been going without a weapon this entire game, except for the ice pick. So, I'm gonna pick up a weapon. Okay. Um. Weapons in this part of the world are unregulated. You can get whatever you want. No license required. Sweet. That's a switch gun. Well, that's a little more expensive. That's going to be hard to find. But wow, damn it! Well, I just maybe, maybe it's not so hard to find. You just got to know where to go and then carry it around with you. Yeah, I just need I need a brawl weapon. I've got no handgun experience. I have no gun experience. It's all in my fist. You tell me what you want. What we really need is that fellow on the uh, 
on the uh, Dream Dreamline Express. Hmm. Our, our little uh, black black market dealer. Yeah, but he's dead. <laughs> the arms dealer. Yeah, he died. He's dead. Um, Kokolov. 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 Yeah, he's dead. Uh, okay, let's um, let's go with some brass knuckles. What's the stats on a brass knuckle? Okay. I was just going to tell you to get them. Okay. I'm looking at the stats really quick. I'll, I'll put them in. Brass knuckles. So 1D3 plus 1 plus uh, DB. I got a thing on my wall. Oh, yay. <laughs> yay. So that's what? Is one it, extra damage than my unarmed? Ta table 17. <laughs> yeah, I just did the major things and put them up there because... I got really tired of trying to find the weapons in the, the book. Okay. So got taser up there too, <laughs> but you can't have a taser. Right. Well, to I, I, have, I have my little two-two short automatic, but it, it, it must be said that um, Elizabeth is 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 by no means a skilled practitioner of the firearm. Other than having uh, waved it at a, at, a, at a mugger in Montmartre, um, at the beginning of her journey, she uh, she has never actually used it. I feel like the, the the closer and closer we get to the end of the scenario, the more and more we're going to be using those. All right. All right. So where are you going to go now? You're going to go to the university. You're going to go back and check on um, Rupert. It's only about 10 o'clock. Well, no, no, no. Hours went by, didn't they? Uh, 8 o'clock, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 1. So it's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I think we should just go to the university. I would rather um, not discuss where we're heading in front of Rupert, just in case they, they, they are able to. He's dropped through him. I know it sounds far-fetched, but so so do many. So so do the idea of disembodied hands attacking you in the middle of the night. Okay, so you arrive at the university. You know what? Too can I just say, if we find one of these cult members, there's a chance if we could get his eye back, maybe they could replace him. What's the what's Modern. the time frame on a on an eye? Because I know it's like fingers is, I think it's I like hours. I don't think that in the nineteen twenties they would have had that kind of a technology that they could replace the eye. Oh, you're talking about repairing the optic nerve. That's only with the glass eye. Well, I was thinking of the the cult members who were replacing. Oh, oh. magically replacing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coerce them. Right. I see. Did I, did, I get, did I get my hat box, by the way? Yes, you did. It's really pretty. It's kind of beige with uh, pink stripes on it. Uh, women would love it. It's about yay big. <laughs> it's actually very, very big. Um, lined with red uh, uh, silk. All right. So you head over to the university. Um, it's a big university. Uh, how are you going to find your way around? There's probably an administration office. 
Well, that, that might, unless it's signposted, um, I suppose we'd, we'd head to the administration office and ask if they could direct us to the uh, um, Department of Antiquities. Okay. Um, you find immediately that you're not going to get anywhere with English, so um, Eldritch is probably going to have to do all the talking. Russian will work. All right. German will work too. There's people who speak that. Yeah, and I'll literally um, just reiterate what Nick said. Uh, basically, they uh, they uh, they give you directions. Um, Doctor uh, Doctor Anton uh, Chidenko should be in his office. And uh, he is, uh, I've never heard this term before, but it's Professor Academician. Does it make any sense to you, uh, Mick? Um, yes. Okay. Anyways, that's what his title is, Professor Academician Anton Chedenko. And, uh, and so you, you end up going, you know, uh, down a hallway, up some stairs. This is this. The university is beautiful. It's mostly composed of marble and uh, hardwood floors, and they're old and they're ornate. They're very, very lovely. Um, the whole thing sort of, you know, has the air of a, a beautiful academic uh, arena venue, you know, for learning. Um, you get to his office. It's a big, big wooden door, all once again carved, but with a glass center to it. And uh, he's inside sitting at his desk. Um, you can see by looking through the door that he is an old man. Probably, well, it's almost indeterminate how old he is. He has a full white beard. Uh, he has white hair, uh, which uh, is a little wild. Um, he's dressed in a suit. Uh, and he looks like he's probably 123 years old. <laughs> little, he's a little man, little, little tiny man. Ah. So he's sitting there at his desk. Is he a Shujeta? Doing his stuff. Oh, he's not that little, but he's just—he's not a tall, big man. He's a little guy. So, what do you guys do? Hmm? Um, do we knock on the door? I knock on the door. That's what I would do. <laughs> yes, I'm like I'm just uh, I, I imagine it would be fallen on on you, Mister uh, Mister Volkov. He looks uh, he looks over at the door when you knock, and he's like, "Please come inside." Uh, I step inside, and he looks at you. He says, yes, what can I do for you? I say, hello there. My name is uh, Eldridge Volkov. These are my compatriots, Frank mm. Coates, uh, Dr. Elizabeth, and Dr. Theodore. Ah, very nice to meet you. Please, please come inside. What can I do for you? I am a, I am a professor academician, Anton Shedenko. We are... He has... Uh, Big watery looking eyes, like he's uh, Yoda. He's wise. He's an old man. Thinking <laughs> uh, more of droopy. <laughs> he's, I, also very, he's also very cheery. Um, I say we're doing research 
on a particular artifact in this region of the world. Ah, yes. Um, I, I describe it as it's a head made of what we imagine to be obsidian. It's got a certain kind of gloss to it that when it reflects light, the, the colors of the obsidian change. It's like an optical illusion. Well, that could describe. I, I I'm not exactly sure what you're describing. Um, it's, uh, it's referred to as the Jujeta idol. Oh, oh, yes, yes, the Jujeta idol. Yes, that is in my keeping. Yes, uh, you are interested in looking at that. Yes. Yes. Ah, yes. Uh, do you have any? Have... Uh, can you can you show me your uh, academic credentials? Uh, where are you from? You're obviously not from uh, Bulgaria. I. Uh, well, we have we, we we have a letter of reference as well. I'll oh, hand that to. Thank you. Ah, Dr. Jordanov, oh, he's a wonderful man. Um, of course, of course. Uh, you, were, you, were just, you were just with him then, yes? Yes. I don't know why I'm saying yes all the time, but... Uh, well, of course I can uh, show this to you. Uh, I believe that it is... Um, I believe that it is in our uh, storage area. I believe it's upstairs. Um, did you need to uh, take it with you, or are you uh, studying it here, or...? Yes, I lean forward and I, uh, I explain. Um, Dr. Elizabeth and Dr. Dawkins here, uh, we're planning on doing a joint effort with some university folk in uh, Constantinople. We believe that that is the actual original origin of the artifact. Uh, I am Dr. Elizabeth's ghostwriter, and Mr. Coates here is a photographer. Well, that is, that is very interesting. It's a most interesting piece. Uh, it uh, it has some very unusual properties, but you know, it is probably a, a fake. Um, it has been, there have been a number of people who have tried uh, tried to analyze it, and uh, they can't quite place the material that it's made of. Uh, it is most likely probably something modern, some, something made out of plastic, um, this new stuff. And he keeps rubbing his temple like he's... And I, uh, and I do say, uh, headache? Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, I, I, I suffer from headaches uh, as I've gotten older here. The last, last couple of years... Uh, the headaches have been getting much more serious. But, uh, you know, I'm an old man. I smile wryly, and I say, uh, probably from the stress of the artifacts. Uh, this is probably just from old age. And um, uh, uh, he says it is actually, um, it is, I would say, roughly a, a rather striking piece. It, I have examined it myself a number of times, but as I say, it is probably a fake. I don't think that it is anything ancient. There is no, there is no oxidation, there is no wear of any kind on it. It is quite uh, unpitted, un very smooth. Um, probably it's made of some sort of plastic. Doctor, what if I told you that some compatriots of ours have also found pieces that are similar to the head that is in your possession, and that, in fact, the head 
is a part of a much larger piece of statuary that was originally carved in Istanbul, probably uh, before the birth of Christ. Well, that is an interesting uh, theory. There was a there was a young student, I believe, um, uh, Penev, who wrote the paper th thinking that it was part of some sort of culture that is pre pre mankind, but uh, that is preposterous. Um, anyways, I, I'll show it to you. I have no problem with this, and you have no problem with us. Taking the piece? Well, you'll have to sign some documents, making sure that it is, uh, you know, taken care of. But your credentials seem to be in order. And um, and you have the recommendation of Dr. Jordanov, uh, who is, you know, unquestioned. You know, he knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, so let us, uh, let us go upstairs. And... Uh, he takes you to the, the door, and you right. go out, and you go down the hallway, and you come to a big marble staircase that's heading upstairs, sort of semi-spiral going up. And you go down another hallway, and, and you're heading toward the door, a big double door. And I would like you to do a listen roll. Okie dokie. All of us or just me? All of you can do it. Hooray. That is a pass. Okay. Oh, it's also a pass. All right. As you are maybe 10 feet from the door, as, and you're walking, you're, you're moving forward, you hear noise of some sort of commotion coming from beyond the door. That's a big, heavy oak door, double door. Uh, and... There's just just as as the the professor gets to the door. There's a there's a look of concern on his face, like what what is going on? What's all this noise? And he opens the door. In that moment, you're confronted by something. You're confronted by uh, the whole scene unfolds. So what I'm going to say is literally taking place in the matter of a moment. There are three dead bodies lying on the floor in puddles of blood. The one closest to you has had its head removed. Uh, and the blood is still squirting on the floor. Um, there are a number of men dressed in brownish black cloaks wearing masks. Um, the lighting in this room is fairly good. Um, you are instantly of the opinion that their cloaks and their masks are made from human skin, stitched together. Uh, three of them are climbing out the window, and one of them has under his arm what looks like the head of the simulacrum. Uh, the other two, the, the two closest to you, turn towards you and draw guns out and are obviously about to fire. Um, Dr. Shadenko um, uh, screams in fright or yells in fright and grabs his head and immediately collapses to the floor. 
as if he's fainted. So what do you do? The room has got all sorts of junk in it, too. Yeah. Uh, I draw my gun. Looking at the cover. Okay. Um, they're going to, both of them, fire. And you guys, at the, in that instant, all you can basically do is jump out of the way. Hopefully they don't hit you. Um, let me go ahead and roll for number one. Let's see who, how many we got. One, two, three, <coughs> four of you. All right. They're shooting at Dr. Dawkins first. Of course. And oh, we got a 92. So he's he's completely missed. The bullets whizzed right past your ear as you've jumped out of the way. The second one is going to fire at um, uh, uh, Elizabeth. Oh, She's dear. the biggest target. <laughs> and uh, they succeeded, but barely. And uh, they winged you right on the arm, just a flesh wound. We're not even going to say one, one point of damage. Oh, not even one point of that. No. Okay. Rotten buggers. I'm going to shoot back. Okay. I've Go got ahead. a gun. I don't entirely know how to use it, but I'm going to point it at them and pull the trigger. All right. Oh, 18 out okay. of 20. Oh, 18 out of 20. <laughs> okay. Um, you wing, you wing one of them also as he tries to dive out of the way. And, uh, and what do the rest of you do? I, I'm going to fire as well. Right. Did, did the guy that's, that's trying to escape through the window, did he, jump out or is he still sort of on the there's there's three of them that are going out the window and they are basically maybe 10 or 15 feet behind um these guys are obviously covering their tracks so that those guys can get out the window and they're right. they're going out the window um i'm gonna fire at I'll try to fire at one of those guys, the, the one that's holding the head at least. So you'd actually probably have to shoot through the two guys because they're in the way. All right. Well, I'll fire at somebody. All right. And that's an 18 out of 20. Well, same as, same as, <laughs> excellent. All right. Go ahead and roll for damage. All right. That's seven. Okay. Seven you hit him. You hit him right in the in the, the the thigh. So he gets hit and he staggers backwards and drops to one knee. Um, but he's going to continue firing. Eldritch, you don't have a gun, do you? No, I don't. What I'm going to do is I'm going to wait for an opening, and I'm going to. I guess storm the trenches, and uh, like a, I don't want to rush towards the guy who's coming going out the window just yet. There's two guys, with guns. Um, let me let me 
say something else. These two guys who are shooting at you, they seem uh, just 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 from their actions that they're willing to die to let those other three get out. So they're not like trying to, I mean, they're just trying to kill you at this point. Okay. They're, they're more concerned with killing you than they are with their own safety. So, I don't know what I want to do. If I approach and I don't knock one out, it's a point blank. But if I had to do anything, I'm being a lazy asshole. If, if you tried to approach them, they would just turn that gun right at your face and blow your head off. Probably. Exactly. Okay, so I'm assuming that I'm... Uh, what am I kneeling in front of? What is covering me? Um, just a turned over table at this point. Is there any item nearby me? I'll do a luck roll. All right. Luck, what is my luck? Luck is 45. Don't fail me now. 35. Awesome. All right. Well, there are pieces of armor and weaponry in this room as well. There's probably a mace with big spikes on it. Uh, probably within your grasp in this case. All right. Well, I'm going to reach for the mace. And I'm gonna I'm gonna equip it. I don't know the stats for a mace. I'm sure you have it pulled up. I don't, but whatever. <laughs> what do we want to say? It is. Well, I'm getting is... medieval. A club. A club is one d eight plus eight plus uh, your your defense bonus or your uh, damage bonus. Um, I'll give it a one d ten because it's a freaking mace with spikes on it. All right, one d ten plus is my non-existent damage bonus. All right, so okay. I'm gonna hold on to that. I'm also then going to uh, reach for the armor with okay. my left hand, and I'm just going to like throw it. I'm going okay. like, to well, it's a big, it's a big suit of armor. So the most you'll do is pull it down okay. in front of you. It'll it'll smash into a bunch of pieces. That's fine. I, as long as I have bits and pieces to, to throw at. Okay. Okay. Um, All right, Frank. Hmm. Yeah, I was trying to think of something clever, but I don't think I have any options other than to also try and shoot him. Go ahead. Are we on the first floor or the second floor? You're up on the third floor, actually. Third. Would I know as they're climbing out the window? Are they? What are they climbing out to? There's probably fire escape. Uh, 26 is a fail by... Oh, no, wait. My firearms is 30. So I pass. Just back out. Okay. Go ahead and you hit one of them. Go ahead and roll damage. Two points. Okay. You actually hit the guy who's already on his knee. You hit him in the shoulder. And amazingly, he doesn't act like he's feeling the pain. So he's seriously injured, but he's going to continue to try and shoot. Um, the three guys have gotten out the window at this point. Um, the guy who's on his knee continues to fire. The other guy is working his way back towards the window himself. Okay. The guy fires. He's on the ground. Oh, who's going to shoot at? Uh, he is shooting at uh, Elizabeth again. 
Uh, a 41, which is a success. Um, did you, what did you try to do? Did you try to dodge or? If you got a better roll than I did, then. Um, well, I guess I'll, I'll attempt to dodge, but my, my dodge is very poor. It is 20. 67. I did not dodge. Okay. Huh. He shoots at oh, you and fell. He, he does oh, two points of damage. Two points of damage. Okay. I've been uh, shot. I've been shot. Uh, the guy who's moving towards the uh, the window, he chooses not to shoot at this point, but he reaches into his cloak and pulls something out that looks like a hand grenade. All right. Dr. Dawkins, what do you do? I see that and I turn around and I head downstairs to try to intercept. Say that again? You're going to run out of the room? Yeah, I'm running out of the room. I'm going to run downstairs to try to intercept the, the guys who just left out, out of the uh, window. Okay. So all the rest of you see the hand grenade come out and Dawkins just picks up his skirts and runs in the door. Okay. Uh, Elizabeth, what do you do? I know you're shot, but well, the man's just got a hand grenade out. I'm, 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 I'm running outside. Okay, so you're following Doctor Dawkins. Yes, I'm going to um, try and. Well, I'm, I'm in no fit state to really do it, but I'm, I'm going to try and sort of grab the 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 old man and. Okay. He is completely limp. Oh dear. Okay. Um, He's uh, on his own. Uh, uh, Eldridge, what do you do? Uh, well, we like. You're kind of hunkered down, hiding behind the, <laughs> the pile of armor. Yeah. Has he pulled the pin? Uh, he's he's pulling the pin, so he's going to launch it next round. It'll probably go off the round after that. Okay. Well, yeah. Then if he's if he's pulling the pin, he intends to throw it. Then I am going to. Uh, I don't have a ranged weapon, so I can't shoot it and then blow him up. Um, so I'm, yeah, I guess I'm going to follow, and I guess we're just going to, with my flail in hand, I run out of the the room. And I'm All gonna right. go beat the shit out of some guy when I see him. All right, and Frank. Oh man, everybody in our group is out the door then, right? Yeah. Well, Elizabeth is almost out the door. She's trying to drag the old man out. Uh, I will also run, but shoot at the same time. So. Okay. Go ahead and do, do that. Do you want me to do like a penalty die or something like that? Um, no. Not, not necessarily aiming. I'm just like shooting to provide cover for us to get out the door. No, but the, the guy who's on his knees might shoot at you at the same time you're shooting at him. Okay. Ooh, I got a 30. It's going to hit. Okay. Um, 
you hit uh, the guy with the hand grenade, um, which, as you hit him, probably right in the chest, he pulls the grenade, uh, but you get out the door. Okay. Shut the door, shut the door. Oh. Shut the door. <laughs> uh, um, hold the door. Hold all the right. door. So you guys are going to try to shut the door, or at least you're trying to shut the door. Big heavy oak door, I'm thinking. Big heavy right oak now. door. Um, Dr. Dawkins, you said you were going to run outside. So you've run down the stairs, and just as you get out the door, uh, you see uh, a truck, a big white truck, pulling away, and you see th these. You see a, a couple of guys running towards a black car. Um, the 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 white truck is a canvas truck. It's got a canvas on the back. Um, uh, the guys who are running for the the car have a bag just about the size of a you know head uh, they're running for the car uh, as the the truck uh, starts to pull out you see two things happen one is you see a car come from an off of one of the the, the side streets and it screeches and turns right in front of the truck. And as it does, you see uh, a man jump out of his car um, and he starts firing a gun at the truck. Okay. At the same time, the back end of the truck, uh, the canvas suddenly lifts up and there are two more of these cult people in robes with a fucking machine gun. Shit, I'm going to get down. <laughs> I'm going to find what is, cover. What is happening? And as you dive for cover, the machine gun starts shooting the building. Uh, windows are shattered. Pieces of plaster come flying off. Uh, the gun turns towards the cars in the parking lot and starts obliterating the cars with the machine gun. Uh, the truck pulls forward and hits this car that had blocked it, pushes it out of the way, and then goes speeding away as the other people get into this black, uh, big, big black car, and they pull out after the truck. And uh, you can see that when they hit the car, the guy who was shooting at them that was behind it, he just got launched onto the, the grassy knoll nearby, and he's laying face down on the ground. Um, and they go, and the whole front of the building's been shattered. And by this time, that you can hear people screaming, and there's noise, and there's dust, and there's everything else. So what do right. you do in the aftermath of this? I'll check on the guy. All right, the guy who is laying on the ground, he's coming to, he's, he's been injured, it's uh, it's Major uh, uh, Cristo. What's his name? Sorry, it's the it's the major, the police guy. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's he's not badly injured, but he he probably has a concussion. I'll set him up and he's like he's like, oh my god, he says, We came so close this time. He says, We have been we have been chasing them for for a long time now, this these butchers. I tell them that they, they ended up butchering uh some poor fellow up on well, you said there was three three dead bodies up there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll let him know that. Right. Okay. So the aftermath of what has just happened. Uh, the three men in the storage room, uh, two of them are dead. One of them is still alive a little bit. Um, they're all university personnel. Uh, one of them has had his head removed. Uh, one of them has been beaten to death, and the other one's been beaten pretty badly. Um, Dr. Dawkins, when you do, do a medical roll on him. Uh, 29 out of 50. All right. When you examine him, you can see immediately that he was bashed in the skull and that a fragment of the, the skull has been pushed into his brain and that unless he has immediate surgery of a miraculous nature, he's probably going to die. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell anybody that's in the room, clear the room, let me try. Well, they're try not going to clear the room because by now the police are coming in. Uh, other employees are coming in because this is a disaster. A uh, doctor, um, Doctor uh, Chidenko, uh, seems to have possibly suffered some sort of an aneurysm. He's dead. Wow. The stress was just too much for him. Uh, Major Kristova, that's what his name was. All right. Well, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna try something on him to try to alleviate this this pressure that's building up on his brain. And um, uh, are you going to do what I think you're going to do? Yep. All right. I would like the rest of you to do a spot hidden. As I'm doing that, I'm going to explain to like the police and every, you know, I'm like, as the ambulance is coming, I'm saying that this man will die if I don't tend to this. Okay. We'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. The other rest of you do is spot hidden. Nope. I passed. I got a heart. You got a heart. Right. Um, let me give it to Frank. This has got a heart. Frank, uh, you look over at Dr. Dawkins. This is the, the area is, is pandemonium, okay? Um, there's blood on the floor. There's dead bodies. There's all this. Dr. Dawkins has gone over to see if he can help the guy who's still alive. You see Dr. Dawkins pull the Mim Sahis out of his pocket and somehow deftly repair the guy's skull. 
didn't want him to do that. Um, at that point, uh, Major uh, Major Kristova uh, uh, comes into the room, and uh, he's he's got a bit of a headache because he got a got a bit of a concussion, but he comes over to you, uh, Eldridge, and he puts his hand on your shoulder, and he says, uh, he says, uh, tell your friends. Don't say anything," he says. "We have been we have been trying to capture these cultists for a number of years now, and they have people everywhere. Don't trust anybody, but come with me afterwards, and uh, I will take you somewhere. Um, the medical people try to help uh, the major, and he won't. He won't. No, no. Don't touch me. I didn't so say. To he seems very distrustful of anyone. I then say to the major, well, what makes me think I can trust you? He says, I've been trying. He says, I can trust you because I can see that you are victims of this. these people. They obviously have something against you. Believe me. I am trying very hard. He, he was shooting at them outside. <laughs> I, don't, I, I know, but like, what... You just said these cultists are willing to die for their cause. I mean, how smart are these people? How convoluted is their plan? Well, uh, I don't know. They seem to have gotten what they were after. Right. I then... Uh, I say that um, it's, more, says, it's, more complicated, it's more complicated than you understand. What's happening here is much more complicated than what you think you know. And I'm willing to share this with you, but I need to know that you can trust us and that you believe us. Well, believe me, I, it is more complicated than you know what it is, too. But I can... And he looks around it. He says, we can't even trust some of these other policemen. Be very careful. Uh, he says, I can take you somewhere where we can discuss it away from these others. I've seen this quietly enough. Yeah, I say have a telegram sent to our hotel. He says, he says, I don't think that's a good idea. He says, come with me. Come with me. Now? We will, yes. He says, we will get out of here. I will take you to our headquarters. <laughs> I nod and I kind of motion to, to Frank to kind of pull Dr. Dawkins off of uh, the, the, the doctor who, yeah, or the, the bodies. Um. Dr. Dawkins. Yes. Um, as you repair this guy, uh, he he's still in a daze from being hit on the head, although you've, you've probably completely repaired the damage. Um, he looks up at you and he says, their, their shoulders were not their own. Their shoulders. There's something wrong. Their shoulders. But he seems a little delirious still. As, okay. as Eldridge comes up to you and says, come on, we got to go. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll put the knife away and say, um, you know, ambulance should be able to take care of you. You just had a nasty bump with your head. Okay. Um, all right. So Major Kristova uh, uh, takes you downstairs. And as he is, as you're going, a number of other policemen come up and they say, you know, who are these people? They're involved. 
um, we need to, you know, take them back to the, the, I don't know if they have a precinct, but you know what that, you get the idea. And he says, no, no, he says, uh, uh, they are my witnesses. They, they are very important. Uh, I am taking them with me. And, uh, he's a major, so they have to defer to him. So he, he takes you out of the building and, uh, Hey, Tom. Yes. Um, quick question. The guy that was decapitated in the room. Yes. Is his head still in the room? Nope. Okay. Um, you, you get to Chidenko's car, which has been not too badly damaged. It's dented mostly. Um, the truck more or less just pushed it out of the way. It didn't actually ram it. Um, he gets you all inside, and as soon as the doors are closed and, and you start to move, he says, uh, he says, there, this, uh, the butchers, their calling card is to take the parts of, of people's bodies. Uh, he says that that head is probably long gone. By the way, we found, we found an eye. Uh, it was on an, it was in an alley, uh, a few, a uh, hundred yards from your hotel room. It was found by a poor, poor old woman who came out to throw her trash away. It was laying, just laying on the ground. We have it, uh, we actually have it where we're going. Um, though I don't know what you would want it for, but you can at least identify it as, uh, as your friend's eye. By the way, where is he? Uh, he he's recuperating still at the, at the hotel. Well, if, if you are, I, I must tell you that you are in some danger. You understand this? They are obviously have something about you that they are after. Um, he says, should we pick up your friend then? No. All right. Um, he then proceeds for about 45 minutes to drive up and down different streets and around and he backtracks on some of the streets and he goes around buildings and he goes up that way and down this way and he's constantly looking at the the you know the rear view mirrors and stuff like that to make sure that you're not being followed and finally um he pulls up uh let's see uh he pulls up to what he calls a safe house. It is an old abandoned bakery. And he pulls around the back side of the building and uh, he honks his horn and a, a door goes up and he pulls inside. And there's maybe six other people in there. Well, they're not dressed as, as police officers. And he takes you inside and he says, uh, he says, this is, this is where we can be safe. He says, uh, and he explains that these butchers, they have infiltrated all the levels of the police, the medical. He says, uh, they are, they are uh, terrorists, the likes of which we have you know, never seen before. Uh, but we are very close. I followed, I, I saw what I thought was a suspicious truck. I followed it, and you saw what happened. Just didn't get that in time. I 
look to the group and and stop stop me at any point you guys i look to him and i say how much do you know about this group well what can i tell you what can i tell you Sorry. Uh, let's see. Uh, he says uh, the butchers, as we call them, uh, they're suspected of involvement in numerous kidnappings, murders, um, uh, which the authorities mistakenly attribute to an underground slave trade. Um, the group's hallmark is uh, the brutal mutilation and dismemberment of their victims, which scares off witnesses. People don't want to talk. Uh, uh, the uh, authorities have kept their investigations of these white slavers quiet to avoid panic. Um, uh, he uh, Major uh, Vasil Kristova, he heads this special task force assigned to finding and destroying the butchers. Um, he doesn't know, he thinks that there's some sort of a cult, though he doesn't have any, he th doesn't think they belong to any religion that he's aware of. I then, so I take this information and I say, would you like to know what they're actually about? Yes, if you know something about them. <laughs> and I kind of just like, <laughs> I say, how much are you willing to believe? Well, I know that they are violent criminals. I would believe, I would like to know what you'd, you'd like to believe. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to know what you have to say. So I... So, so I'm going to pretty much tell him everything, I, and I guess it's up to the, the, the other three to tell me what things I should leave out and what things I shouldn't. I'm 100% going to tell him it's not just here in Bulgaria. It's London. It's France. It's possibly the United States. It's, My God. It's everywhere. Um, I then also begin explaining that this organization, this cult, it's not a new thing. It's been around probably before the Roman period, as I, was, as I told uh, the professor uh, at the university, it probably predates the birth of Christ. Um, we, I don't know how far back it goes. Uh, we have texts that uh, speaks of incredible things, and we ourselves have seen things like them taking off their own skin and putting other people's skin on, wearing people's faces and, and assimilating into positions of power. It's how they do things. It's how they get into those positions of power. My God. We're, you're, you're not dealing with a terrorist organization. You're dealing with a cult that's not just a bunch of crazy people. It's a cult with power, like magical ability. The hands that you saw, they weren't severed hands that just like we chopped up. They were hands that came through the ceiling. 
They had all these books. They wanted this piece. I, I explained everything in grotesque, horrible detail. I explained that I shoved a freaking ice pick into one's neck or shoulder. The police drug him out. What, 12 hours later, he showed back up completely fine. He had evaded police custody by wearing the face, I believe, of a police officer and coming. <laughs> ah, funny, 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 Dr. Elizabeth. You're, you're, you're hilarious. That's why I'm saying you guys should tell me what things I should leave out. Well, I'd like you to do a persuade roll. I can do a persuade roll. I'm actually pretty good at persuade. All right, let's see. Bop. What is my persuade? All right, I got a 36 out of 50. I passed. He says to you, he says, he's got a very serious look on his face. He's like, he's like, I am not sure that I can easily accept some of the more extravagant things that you have said, but I think I believe you. I have seen some very strange things as well, though nothing as strange as some of the things you have described. My God, this is some sort of a cult, as you say, that has existed for thousands of years. They've gotten sloppy then, because we're beginning to find them, or maybe they're brazen. They are tempting us. They are saying... We will never find them. I think that they're getting desperate. They're looking for a specific thing, and they've ma they've managed to get one. You see that they're looking for the, the, the statue pieces. And this, the... this object of worship that they probably have, yes. Yes, we have five. They have, we have outwitted them in almost every city that these pieces are at. They've either never noticed us, or we've just kind of snuck in under their noses. Why haven't this, you destroyed them? We need to go to Constantinople to destroy them. That's what we've been told. That's what we believe. My God, this is a lot to, to take in. Well, we, have, we have physical proof. I don't think you'll like it, but we have physical proof. I, I, I believe you. I... I need to know what we should do next. We need to find where their headquarters is. Unfortunately, it could be anywhere. Oh. <laughs> I, I laugh and I say, I don't know how much of a help we're going to be. We're now dealing at, in Paris and in London, in, in Milan, and in all these places. We went right under their noses, and the one time we did interact with them, it was just one guy. Now that they know about us, they're they're attacking people left and right. They've got weapons that we can't we can't fight against. They've got they've got military grade weapons. We don't have that. We're just five people. One of us is injured. We we do have something though. And I turn to Doctor Elizabeth. We 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 have Rupert. And I kind of, like, raise my eyebrow. If Ru Rupert was getting visions of them going out to somewhere in the countryside, it, it, what if Rupert was able to um, 
to describe the things he saw. He he didn't know where they were, but if he could describe anything that he saw, because he might have even had other visions while we were away, leading up to the, mind you, they would have been in the, in the alleyway, wouldn't they? But poss possibly he might have seen something that wouldn't mean anything to to us, but to the major. Yes. It might provide an idea of the, the of the, the general area. It might narrow the area down. You could describe the landscape. I might be able to deduce. My eyes grow wide. And I turn to the major and I say, Where is the eye that you found? Oh, it is over right over here. And uh, he uh Takes another refrigerator. I don't know if they had a refrigerator. Maybe they did. Um, he shows it to you. It's the wrong color. Oh my god! I knew it. Uh, so I look at at the the major and I say, uh, I say, major Rupert's eyes are blue. I'll take that. I'll take that though. You want it as a souvenir? <laughs> you. Okay. Coupling. Um, all right. Um, tell me what your next move is, and then we'll call it for tonight. I think that's a good idea. Um, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and check on Rupert. Yeah. He, uh, the, uh, of the he also explains to you that this is the headquarters. He actually has at his disposable disposal about 40 men but they're all covert because he thinks that you know people right in, in the police department themselves are involved i would believe that there's no <laughs> way that they could get away with what they've been getting away with for so long mm -hmm. all right so you're going to go back to the hotel and get rupert yeah all right so that's where we'll leave it. That's where you'll start next week is going back to the hotel. Okay, folks. All right. Sounds good. Good game. Our players included Thomas McKeon, Mick Swan, Jeff Wilkins, and Wayne Worthy with myself as a keeper of the secrets. We're currently producing four shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. Patrons of our show can now enjoy recordings of our pre- and post-game conversations. Some of the funniest, most interesting stuff occurs before and after the show. If you'd like to become a patron, visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar or two a month will help us a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel for updates on our latest shows, and leave us some comments. We love hearing from you. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft, and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming.